I want to continue to talk about casting down imaginations, and I want to continue to talk about it from the perspective of we're going to the book of Jeremiah today, but I want to talk about it from the perspective of this. When I start doing messages like this about casting down imaginations and dealing with spiritual strongholds in our thought process, what I find happens is I get an opportunity to walk out what I'm believing or what I'm teaching. And um, sometimes it's challenging, but I've learned to embrace challenge. I've learned to embrace correction. I've learned to, this may sound weird, but hear me close. I've learned to like being wrong. I've learned to not feel the need to defend myself and prove, well, okay, I was wrong, but see, it's because of blah, 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 blah. No, I don't want to even give the wrong an explanation because in correction, there's growth and in growth, there's increase and an increase. Well, there's increase and I like increase. So there you have it. And then there's increase and increase. And so I like correction. I like being shown where I'm wrong. I don't like necessarily being wrong, but I love correction because every time I submit to correction, I prosper. And I'm saying that because it, it's come become such a part of my life that every time I'm corrected now, and it's like Pavlon, Pavlovian, Pavlonian theory. And who you, who, I mean, you know who that is. Dr. Brown, I know you got to know what that is, right? No? Yes? No? Who knows? Who knows? Pavlonian theory is, is uh, the thing where they train the dog that when every time the, they ring a bell, they expect a treat. So you can train an animal that if they do a certain thing, like if you watch people who even have dog, that are dog trainers, they tell the dog to do the trick. And then you see they stick their hand down and stick something in the dog's mouth. And it's it's a training where you hear a certain sound or do a certain thing and there's a response that goes to it. And for me, my training is be, God has trained me. I don't mind being his puppy. He's trained me that, you know, sit, sit good boy and he gives me a treat right and um so whenever he corrects me or he puts me in a place where i need to be corrected even if it's a strong correction when i receive that correction i'm automatically expecting a treat because i know god you know he says he he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants he loves being a blessing to me he's not holding out he's not holding out on you either um so in this season of correction i found that God having me deal with the renewing of my mind and casting our imagination, which we'll go into the to the prayer in a minute, and then we'll um, get into the scripture. What I've learned in this season is this. All God's correction, you've heard me probably say this before, but I'm saying it again. All God's correction is for your increase. It's not just for the fun of punishing you or wanting to put you on a timeout or take something away from you. And he wants to take your phone and send you in the room by yourself. No, every time God corrects us, it's for his enjoyment to get us to the place where he can increase us the way he wants to. See, limitations or weights, the scripture says casting down every weight, the sin and every weight and the sin that easily besets you. He should let go of that weight. And what I always thought about was the weight being something that God was calling bad, but benefited me, but it was a weight to him. But I've come to the realization that, no, the weight is the thing that keeps me from elevating. You put a weight on a balloon to keep the balloon from floating off into the sky if it has helium in it. So for me, 
I'm an elevating spirit. I'm a growing spirit. I'm a, I'm 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 called to grow, to increase, to expand. How many of you will bear witness with that for yourself? Um, God has called me to increase, to grow, to expand, to expand beyond the room I fit in, so that I have to float up to something bigger. He's called me to that in the realm of the spirit. I'm not even talking about stuff in the natural finance. I'm just talking about in the realm of my walk with God in the spirit. To get closer and closer to God means to get further and further from from me or from flesh or from earth. Is calling me up to something bigger and greater. And in that, he's saying every weight that you carry is the thing that you latch onto that keeps you in the realm that you're in right now. So every time he calls me up to something greater, I have to release something that I'm anchored to here. A weight is an anchor. The correct the correct word for weight in the, in, in the Greek is an anchor. So it's, it's an anchor. It's something that holds me at bay. It keeps me still. Now, the positive thing of an anchor is it keeps you stable. It keeps you where you are. The negative thing of an anchor is it keeps you stable. It keeps you where you are. It keeps you from going to the next level that God has called you to go. So correction needs to be embraced. It needs to be loved. It needs to be, you know, fools despise correction, the Bible says. It needs to be something now and that you get to a place. I hope you're listening to me that you seek it out, that you actually seek out correction. You actually look for correction. You actually say, God, show me the errors of my ways so that you can take me to the next level you want to take me to. Show me, even if my heart is right, my actions or my spirit is wrong so that I can be corrected and go to the next level. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's very powerful that we're willing to grow. Very powerful. So going through this series, Casting Down Imaginations, I'm going to go through the prayer one more time, and then we're going to go to the verse. And I hope what I gave you so far was something to get you at least prepared for some kind of meal. Um, let me ask you a question, though, before I go any further. How many of you are here, maybe show of hands or emoji or whatever, feel like since this series has started, you feel like you've grown somehow or something inside or, or your walk has gotten somewhat better somewhere. Let me see. Show hands. Good. Okay. No, not you, Quam? Quam thinking about it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll work that out. Um, all right. So we see people that have saying they've grown and they're, and they're getting something from it. It's challenging us. Um, imaginations limit flow or increase them and this is why this prayer is important i'm going to read it and then we're going to go to our scripture so um you can say it along with me if you want um it's in um prayers that are very much it's the prayer of casting down imaginations i think they put it in the chat usually so that you can read along if you want and you should speak it. So here we go. Father, though I live in the world, I do not wage war as the world does. The weapons I fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine in power to demolish strongholds. I demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of you. And I take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Father, to bless those who despitefully use me. Whenever I feel afraid, I will trust in you. 
When I feel miserable, I will express thanksgiving. And when I feel that life is unfair, I will remember that you are more than enough. When I feel ashamed, help me to remember that I no longer have to be afraid. I will not suffer shame. I am delivered from the fear of disgrace. I will not be humiliated. I relinquish shame, the shame of my youth. It is well with my soul, for you have redeemed me. You have called me by name. I am in your will for my life at this time. I am being transformed through the renewing of my mind. I am able to test and approve for myself what is your will, an acceptable, perfect will, good and acceptable, perfect will, sorry. For you have good things reserved for my future. All my needs will be met, and I will say are met, according to your riches and glory, is what the scripture says, and doesn't say will be, it says are, all your needs are met, according to your riches and glory. I will replace worry for my family with asking you to protect and care for them. You love, you are love, and perfect love cast out all fear. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to go to Jeremiah 29. And we're going to get this verse in here and try to bring this thing on home. And I pray that the word that you hear today continues to be a blessing to you, increase you, encourage you, and help you to grow as strong as God has called you to be. Amen. Um, I am really excited about this season. So here we go. Let me see what verse I'm going to start at. I'm going to start at... Um, I want to start at 10. I want to start at 10 because 10 lays down a foundation that I want to kind of grab into here at this point in time. All right. So Jeremiah 29, starting at verse 10. But thus says the Lord, when 70 years of exile have been completed for Babylon, I will visit and expect, inspect you and keep my good promises to you to bring you back to this place. Now I want to stop there and I want to say, people usually go to the 11th verse, which is a good verse, a strong verse, but without context, just quoting it doesn't sit right. This is after Israel once again found themselves in exile and away from God and in slavery because they disobeyed or stepped outside of God's will. This is once again, us as a people trying to do it our way or help God and then finding ourselves in a messed up place. Nobody here knows what that's like, but you know, there are people who have experienced the stepping outside of God's will or trying to help God or help God along in the process of doing things and right. Nobody here, you know, no takers, right? Okay. So, um, 
they wound up in exile or outside of God's blessing or in, in, in the place of, you know, disproportionate misery. And God is now coming to them again saying, I'm going to inspect you, meaning I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your heart to see where your heart is so that I can do for you what I originally promised. I wanted to make that clear for this reason. I need you children of God to understand this. God is always looking for the opportunity to get you back in the place where the blessings are so he can continue blessing you, even when you made your biggest mistakes. And that's the beautiful thing about God, when you don't see God any longer as an ogre looking to punish you, but as a loving father looking for the opportunity to bestow his blessing on you. Because this was a reality that came to me. And I don't know if I can back it up with scripture or not, but you know, you see what you want to do. All these blessings that God promises us, what, how does it benefit him to keep them? They're for you. They're for us. They're for mankind. God's like, I want to give this stuff to you. I, I, I got no use for it in the storage room up here. You guys need this. I created this for my babies. How many of you buy things and do things for your kids or nieces and nephews, whatever, just because you love to be a blessing to them? Sometimes they ain't even old enough to know what it is you're giving them. The funniest thing is to watch an adult parent have their little kids. Now, I'm getting them the Jordans. And I mean, and the kids don't know what no Jordans are, but it's for you. You feel good about it. To say, oh, your baby look dressed. Your baby look nice. That baby like, I roll around in the floor with this just like I do in an apartment with my pampers. This don't mean nothing to me. But it means something to you to put the gold chain on his neck and all that. And I see people pairs of the baby's ears. I got a diamond. It's like that. The baby don't know. He'll take that thing and throw it. You don't know what that thing is. He throw it and poop it out. Eat it and poop it out. He don't care. It's for you. It's for you as a parent to say, look what I did for my baby. Where do you think you get that nature from? Your heavenly father want to say, look what I did for my baby. I got that for my baby. You see how my baby dressed? Look how my ain't, ain't he cute? Look how cute. Look how cute she is. You know, that's for you. You take all them pictures. The baby don't even want to sit still. They don't want to take no pictures. You want to take the pictures because they're for you. This is how daddy feels about us. That's a parental instinct. Come from the throne. I hope you take that in what I just said. It's very powerful. He takes pleasure in the process. He wants to show his babies off. So he's saying, you've been in exile of your choice, right? But after your exile has been completed, I will visit and expect you. See if you your heart is right and keep my good promises to you to bring you back to this place. Say this place. God wants to bring you back to this place. Listen to me. Say God wants to bring me back to this place. What place is that? Here it is. Now verse 11 makes sense. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. See, God says, here's a place I want for you. This is the place I want to bring you back to. The place that I have for you, that I know the plan and I know the expected end. 
And so when you even in exile, when you even outside of the will of God, when you even feel like things are not going the way God wants them to go in your life or you want them to go in your life, God says, once I get you out of exile, once I get you out of rebellion, once I get you out of trying to do stuff your own way and in your own might, once I get you to be still and be strong long enough, I'm going to come check you out. I'm going to examine. And if your heart is right and you're right, I want to bring you to the place that I already have for you. I know the place I have for you. And that place is a good place, a place to bring you hope and a future, to bring you to an expected end, to prosper you and not to bring you harm. No disaster to come your way. No, sometimes God let happen. That's not what he said. Sometimes God allows. That's not what he said. I don't care what church say. That's not what God said. It's not a scripture in the Bible where God says, sometime I got to let you go through hell and pain and let the devil whip on you so I can teach you a lesson. Not one scripture. But what about Job? The scripture doesn't say, I don't, don't try to take one person's story and try to make a doctrine out of it. That's you taking a, a, a story of the first chapter of Job and then trying to make a whole uh, theology out of Job and one person. He one person in the Bible that you see go through that. All the other people don't, but we're going to make a doctrine out of Job. That's demonic. That's straight devil. If you living off the Job doctrine, renounce it right now. It's evil. It's demonic. Unless you read the whole book from cover to cover and understand why Job wound up where he was and how God brought him out, please don't be bringing up Job to compare my father to. Please. It's an insult. It's insulting to me. It's one man's story. That's like me saying, well, Martin Luther King was a good man. He got shot. I guess God want all of us to get shot. Come on, stop. You, you know better than that. You would never say that. So please stop pulling Job up of all the people. Abraham didn't go through that. Elijah, Elisha, none of them. Just one person. Please stop making a doctrine out of Job. Can we all say amen to that? Can we release the Job doctrine spirit? Just release it. Just release it. He said, I know the plans I have for you. This is God talking. I know the plans I have. This is God talking. Say, God knows the plans he has for me. Say it. And I like his plans. All right. So here's, here, here we go again. God saying, came back, expect you. See if you're doing right. Seeing what you're doing, what you're supposed to do. Why? Verse 11. For I know the plans and thoughts. So not just his plans. His plans are how he thinks about you. I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace. Say, God plans for my peace. Plans for well-being. Say, God plans for my well-being. And not for disaster. Say, God doesn't want me to have disaster. To give you a future, okay? God wants has a future for me and a hope. Well, I love that because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I'm going to give you a hope, and then you can walk in faith, and then you can see the manifestation of that hope. But you got to know that it's what I want for you. Let me just let me just sit this down a minute, and let me just just bring a couple of things to light. When God began to reveal to me years ago that faith is the substance of things hoped for, and he began to say to me, you know, well, why did this happen to me? And he would say, well, why did you let it happen to you? And I was like, well, I, I thought you did. And he was like, no, I, I gave you authority over principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. If you don't bind the devil, that ain't my problem. I gave you, I gave you, I gave you authority. That's like going to God saying, my children running wild and going to muck in the house and breaking stuff and throwing stuff and trying to hit me. And why are you letting this happen? God was like, wait, how are you making that my problem? You the parent. I gave you the authority as the parent. Check your babies. Teach them the right way. Don't blame God for that. Same thing. If he gave you the authority over Satan and all his principalities and powers, they're children to you. 
If they ripping and running all over your life and all over your situation, all over your being, don't be asking God why he didn't check them. He gave you the power to check them. I know this don't make some church people com comfortable and frankly, so what? I don't care. Here's my thing. You're listening to me. I ain't coming to sign and listen to you. So if you don't want to hear it, don't listen to me. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. You have authority. I'm so tired of church people saying and singing songs about their authority and singing I'm God friend, God's friend and all this stuff and then still expecting God to treat them like an enemy or treat them like a visitor, like, like the neighbor's kid that they don't like, he don't like. Like God is like, you're my child. I'm not going to let anything happen to my child. But once you get old enough, I give you authority and I tell you to operate in that authority. And if you refuse to, my kids are grown. I can't tell them who to date, where to go, what to do, or who to hang out with, and how their friends should treat them. They're grown. If I try to say something, they tell me to mind my business, like a lot of us tell God, even though we won't admit it. You have the authority. You have the authority. So he said, walk in it. So he said, listen, I have plans for you. Line up with my plans, and they're for good and not for harm. They'll give you a hope in the future. So faith is just some of the things hoped for. So let's take this into what it is. Faith without a hope attached to it is not faith, it's wishing. Let me help you out. Faith without a hope attached to it is not faith, is wishing. And this is not the book of Disney where you wish upon a star and all this bull crap. This is a book of Spiritual law. I'm believing for this. What does that mean? I believe God going to make a way. What does that mean? I believe God going to make a way. He can make all things possible and God will make a way. What does that mean? Well, I just trust the Lord. What does that mean? You ever heard people talk like that? Maybe you did once upon a time. You trust the Lord for what? Well, he could do whatever he wanted to do. Well, we already know that. So you're not saying anything of any intelligence. You sound stupid. Tell me what that means. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I believe God will handle it. Handle what? This disease, this lack, this situation I'm facing right here, this thing over here with my job, this thing over here. I but now you've got something you're hoping for attached to it. You can't just throw these vague things up in the air and have no hope attached to it. It makes no sense. God is saying, tell me what you believing for. I believe you 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 know all things. Duh. Okay. And then what? Because God wants to have a specific relationship with you. And when you start saying those general statements, what you're saying to God is our relationship is generic. It doesn't have an individual relationship. God wants to speak to you and me, specifically you and me. Are you listening to children of God? He knows the plans he has for you. He didn't say, I know the plans I have for y'all. He said, I know the plans I have for you. That's an individual statement. Each one of you, I have a plan for. Everybody on here, God has an individual plan for you. Is your plan the same as mine? Do you have the same plan for your life that God has for mine? So he said, I have a plan for you by name. Say, God has a plan for me. So if God has a plan for you, then you need to stop speaking about God in general and find out what God's specific plan is for you and then speak it. 
And once you speak it, now you have something you're hoping in. And now once you have a hope, that's what he said, to give you a hope. He didn't say to give you faith. He said to give you hope. Now you have a hope. Now you attach faith to it by believing in that hope. And then he manifested. But somebody else told me that there isn't any other. And did you waver? Yeah, well, I wasn't really sure. I mean, I thought I believed this. Well, you, you, you just put your, your package on hold. An indefinite hold. You better get back to what God said. You better get back to what he, the hope he's given you. And then you got to stand on it. And I don't care if, who tells you other than that. If God confirmed to you through his word, through, through your heart, that this is what I'm doing for you. And you better stand there and you better stand there and not move. And not move like your life depends on it. Because it does. I want to be in God's perfect will. The only way for me to be in God's perfect will, I have to know his plan for me. You can't be in his will if you don't know his plan. You'll relate to what I'm saying, right? You can't be in my will if you don't know my plan. If you come to, listen, if you come to do work for me, I'm going to tell you what I need you to do. Um, I'm going to bring this up as a side story. We just had to um, fire a worker. I hate having to do that. We had to fire this guy. Um, he went through some stuff before he wasn't doing what he felt he was, I mean, what he was instructed to do. And Lindsay's overseeing him. And he's arguing with Lindsay and telling Lindsay, you don't understand the technology and you don't understand what I do. And he, so he's trying to combat her with, you know, th this is for adults, you know, you know, stay out of adult conversation. You don't know the tech, blah, 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 blah. You know, and he kept on. So Lindsay gets me on the call with him and then he starts trying to talk tech with me. And of course, to his surprise, I know the tech. So I started having a conversation with him. Oh, so it is this, so it is that. Yeah, and I tried to explain it to him. Okay, and then this and this and this. Yeah, right, so you understand. Yeah, I do understand. Okay, here's what we're going to do going forward. Every month you check in with me and we go sit down and we'll go over what you've done and we'll do run a report and we'll see if everything is where it's supposed to be and then we'll, you know, we'll go from there, all right? All right, I'll leave you with Lindsay. I'm out, done. One month pass, no report. Two month pass, no report. Month three, Lindsay says, listen, I want to, I want to, I want to let this guy go. I was like, okay. So she changed passwords. He got on, long story short. You know, why did he change the passwords? I don't say he sent it in. Why'd you lock me out? And then he sends this report, right? <laughs> a three-month worth report and a bill, right? For three months worth of report, like all in one day. And I don't understand. Long story short, I got back on. And I said to him, I gave you specific instruction. Mm -hmm. I told you to meet with everyone. Yeah, well, my computer was down and, you know, the, the, the car was tied with flat. And, I, you know, and my tux didn't come out the cleaners and uh, the whole, the whole, right, Blues Brothers thing, right? <laughs> you know, I said, I don't pay you for excuses. I pay you for results. Yeah, you know, you're right, you're right, you're right, you know, you're very smart, and you know what you, I ain't pay you for compliments either. Pay for work. Show me you did the work, and I'll cut you a check. Other than that, we won't be working with you going forward. We already found somebody else, and you're, you're done. We're done with you. No, but I would, show me that you did the work, and I'll pay you. Other than that, we're done. Simple solution. Well, my system went, don't care. Show me the work. Why am I telling you this story? 
Our job is to stand in faith. That's the work. That's what we're called to do. God said, I'll give you a hope. But now you have to apply the faith. And that's your job. And when it comes time to reap a reward and there is no reward, because somebody said something that made you question it, or somebody says somebody even meaning well, don't get me wrong, it might not be evil at all, but they, well, maybe it means this, because well, they're going to relate to what it means to them. Are you listening to me? Well, if God said that to you, it must mean this, because when he said it to me, it meant this. Well, that's, listen to me, that's not their fault when you don't see a manifestation. That's your job to stand. For let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he who waves is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. We got to go with the guidelines, right? So he said, if your faith is driven like the wave of the sea, he makes it very clear. Let not that man believe he receives anything from the Lord. Because a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. So he's saying to you, here's the guidelines. I need you to believe what I said. I need you to attach to the hope that I've given you. I need to, you to anchor it with faith, and I need you not to waver. These are your guidelines. Why is this important to casting down imaginations? Because once God gives you something to anchor to, are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? I want to see some heads move or something. Are you listening to me? Once God gives you guidelines, they are like precious jewels. They are yours to keep. It's like God gave you an egg to sit on and hold it for him. You're supposed to protect that dream. You're supposed to protect that word. You're supposed to protect that hope. You're supposed to protect that thing like your life depends on it. You're not supposed to let anything move you. You're not supposed to let anything stagger you. You're not supposed to let And if you do, that's on you, not on God, not on the person. It's on you. I will not be moved. I will stand right here, God, until you show up with the answer that you promised me. I know I'm speaking strong, but I want to make sure you hear exactly what I'm saying. If God gives you a truth, you're supposed to anchor yourself in that truth. That truth is supposed to be your truth, and you're supposed to hold that truth. And that's your responsibility. So when you come back with excuses, well, but somebody else said, but you told me such and such. God's like, I, I don't bless excuses. I bless your faith. I respond to faith. I don't respond to excuses. Well, my mother, you know, and then they didn't let me. Okay, I didn't ask you all of that. You have a responsibility. See, when the scripture says all things work together for the good for those who love God according to his purpose, what most Christians say is all things work together for the good. No, no, it's not what it says. It says, one, those who love God, two, those are according to his purpose. That means you line up with his purpose, you love him first, and then you line up with his purpose. Those think people are the only people all things work together for the good for. Let's just make sure we clear with the scripture. So when he gives you a hope and a future, he tells you what the outcome is going to be. Your job is to stay the path. Your God is to walk the walk. Your God is when those imaginations come and those thoughts come and those fears come that try to derail you or to get you to go the other way or get off the track or run this way or chase after that or whatever. That, once you make that decision to do that, God's blessing doesn't stop. You're just no longer in the path to receive it. God's, his, all his promises are yea and amen. Once you get back on the path, you've heard me say it a million times, he'll pick you right back up where you left off and get you where you're supposed to go. 
But you have an obligation, saints, to stay on the path. You have an obligation to walk this thing out to the end. That's what faith is about. Let me just make sure I say this very clear. You'll know the scripture and you probably don't give it enough attention as you should. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you believe he's a punisher, then you're not in the will of God. You believe he's a, he's a tormentor, you're not in the will of God. You believe he works with the devil to help you accomplish things, you're not in the will of God. So you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek. Those who diligently seek, diligence, the word diligence is very clear. Diligent means you don't move, you don't waver, you don't go to the left, you don't go to the right, you stand strong, you stand head straight focused like a horse with blinders, steadfast, unmovable, you don't flinch. Well, sometime I like, okay, then if you do, you did. Get back in the race. Don't stay in the pit. If you fell off the horse, get back up on it and keep moving. But you, you're human. God expects you to stumble. He expects you to fall. That's why Jesus died for your sin. But you are not allowed to stay there. You're not allowed to feel sorry for yourself. You're not allowed to feel guilty. You're not allowed to feel pitiful. None of that's faith. None of that lines up with the word faith. You feel sad, feel sad for a little bit. Give yourself a time. I feel a little pitiful today. Okay, for how long? We're doing it half a day, six minutes, you know, an hour, a year. How long are you doing this? Because you need to get back to the, to, to the job at hand. You need to get back to the position at hand. This gentleman had three months, three months to check in. He didn't check in. He's done. There's nothing he can say to me that makes sense to me. And I, I didn't even want to see his work. I said, listen, I don't even care. I gave you an instruction as the boss. Check in once a month and show me what you're doing. Have you done that? No, well, because that's it. We're done. I have no more conversation for you. We're done. I gave you an instruction. You follow it. The instruction is simple. I know the plans I have for you. Say his plans. He has for me. So he knows them. Guess who doesn't? You. Until he tells you, you don't know them. But he knows them. And once he knows them, he tells, tells you the, those plans. He gives you a hope and a future. It is your job now to apply, apply the faith necessary and choose, according to James chapter 1, not to move. Ask for wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, ask God who gives liberally. Put that scripture in the chat, please. If any man, any of you lack wisdom, ask God who gives liberally or generously and abradeth not, meaning he won't point out your faults. Even if you are totally wrong, he said, if you ask for wisdom, he will give it to you generously and he will never point out your faults and it will be given to him. But you must ask in faith, nothing wavering. So he's saying, God will bless the works of your hand. And if you read all of the chapter of James, you go down after that, he goes on to say, and let no man say when he is tested or tempted, of, he is tempted of God, for God is not evil, neither does he tempt any man. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light, where there's no variation or shadow of turning. So God's saying, don't Fool yourself or be fooled. Nothing negative comes down from me. Only good and perfect gifts. 
But your faith has to stand there to receive that. You have to choose. Nope, that ain't from God. That's the enemy. I don't receive it. But if it, it feels so real, okay, but, but it's still not him. It's the enemy who comes to kill, to deceive, and to destroy. I come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. He makes it, how many times does he need to say it? God has plans for you. They're good. They're perfect, they're filled with hope, and there's an ultimate destination for you in it. Always has been, always will be. You make a decision from this day forward, I'm going to stand, and I'm going to cast down any imagination that speaks against or seeks to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. In Jesus' name, have a blessed rest of your day. And amen.